0: Open your Bibles with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew, chapter 26, and I'm going to read, beginning with verse number 36, you can remain seated. I know you've been standing, and some of you have been up all day, and you probably need a little extra rest, but I'll I'll let you be seated while I read. I'm going to read several verses here, but while I'm getting you there, Matthew, chapter 26, and verse uh, 36. I'm going to read 10 verses down to verse 46. I want to tell you that there are times that I come and I, my my wagon is loaded and uh, you're wondering where you're going to bring an end to it and how you're going to get it all said. And then there are times that you come and there's just one thing that you feel that God needs to speak clearly and concisely and decisively And uh, you hope that you can speak that without muddying it up. And that's where I am tonight. I had come thinking I was going to preach a completely different message and go in a different area. And the longer I was here today, the more uh, it didn't work. It just wouldn't come together. And finally, I just put my stuff down and I came in here and I prayed a little while. And I said, God, you're going to have to help me. I thought I knew the mind. I thought I knew what you wanted for tonight, but evidently I didn't. And God began to talk to me about this particular portion of Scripture. So listen and read along with me if you have your Bibles. Matthew chapter 26, verse number 36. Perhaps one of the most important messages that I will preach to you in in this year or in any year. The Bible said, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and he saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. He said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them, and went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Arise, or rise, and let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And everybody said, Amen. I want to talk to you for just a few moments tonight about dealing with disloyalty. Dealing with disloyalty. There is nothing in our lives that the Lord himself did not face in some way while he was in this earthly body. The scripture, one of the greatest promises and the most reassuring scriptures that you will read is found in the book of Hebrews when it talks about the high priest that we have. And it is not just a high priest But it is the way this high priest is described that is so telling. For Paul encouraging the Hebrew Christian said, We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities or our weaknesses. We, We do not have a high priest. It is a negative approach. But what he wanted to underscore and underline was that you don't have to worry about whether he knows what you're going through. He does. You don't have to worry about whether God had to deal with what you're dealing with. Maybe not the specific thing, but the spirit of what you're dealing with, he definitely dealt with it. And so... He goes on to say that we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. I talked to you a while back about those points of temptation, the, the flesh and all of that, but that's not my focus. My focus is that there is nothing in your life or mind that we experience or we go through that he did not himself encounter and deal with. Whether it was human relations or plans that were uh, not uh, fulfilled or purposes that were not realized in, in, in people, all of those things were witnessed and all of those things were experienced by The Lord, and none so much as in our text tonight. One of the most difficult things to overcome in life is betrayal. There is something that is so bitter about that that it is difficult for us to often talk about it. And when we have been betrayed, many times we don't want to talk about it because when we do, it brings up too many feelings and emotions. It is a difficult thing to overcome and get beyond someone who has uh, been disloyal to us or someone who has let us down. It is Difficult to move on in life when somebody that we have put trust in and somebody that we put our faith and confidence and we loved or we helped or whatever we've done in life and they turn and walk away from us or they cheat us or they lie on us or they hurt us or they do us wrong. One of the most difficult things in life is to know how to deal with that betrayal because betrayal in itself can breed bitterness and it can breed a spirit of bitterness that will linger for a long, long time. I have met people in life that had some kind of failure years past. And they are still struggling with the spirits that rise when you mention that particular subject. They have never really dealt with their betrayal they've never really known how or learned how to deal with that disloyalty or the fickleness of people and and, and, and the The ones that hurt the most are the ones that you love the most and the ones that you put the most time into. Those, when they walk away from you and they leave you, there's nothing that hurts more deeply than that. I've experienced that not only personally but as a pastor. People that I poured my life into and I prayed for them and counseled with them And walked them through dark places and held their hand and comforted them and calmed them down when they were ready to go uh, to pieces. And then for no reason whatsoever, for absolutely no reason, they turn and walk away and they don't explain themselves. They, 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 They can't tell you why. They don't want to tell you why or they won't tell you why. And they just leave you. There's something that's so deep in, in in that kind of situation that is hard to explain. But I believe that I'm talking to some people here tonight that have had your experiences with betrayal. I, I think I'm talking to somebody here tonight who knows the bitterness of being uh, let down or failed or disappointed. And how... You have been wronged. Anybody been wronged in life? Amen. You've been done wrong. Not just wrong, but they did you wrong. Uh, Those feelings that come with that. And I guess what makes that so difficult is the perplexity that comes with infidelity. Why? Why did it happen? Why did they do this to me? Why did this happen? Why did all of this transpire? And so I want to use that tonight as a beginning of our subject. What a night it was for the Lord. When you go to Matthew chapter 26, you are coming toward the end of his earthly ministry. and You are going with him to a place called Gethsemane. It was a garden outside the gates of Jerusalem. It was a garden of spices in which Jesus would oftentimes resort to pray. And that coming hour, laying heavy upon him, he makes the journey back to that place that is familiar to him with his disciples. And then he begins to talk to them and open up, them about what is about to transpire. The hour of his greatest need is upon him, and he is encircled by the men that he had invested in for three and a half years. For three and a half years, these men that he had called from varying walks of life, and he had walked through and worked through many of their idiosyncrasies and their differences and he had somehow tried to mesh them together as his disciples. He brings them with him to this place of prayer and he has only one request. He has only one desire of them and that was they could watch with him. And so he puts them in varying places in the garden And then he goes away a little farther himself and he prays. I don't know if it was literally an hour, but when he came back over a period of time, what he found was extremely disappointing. He found men that he had healed and men that he had delivered and men that he had saved and men that he had helped and men that he had been faithful to, and men that he had taught, and men that he had trained, he found them sleeping while he was anguishing in prayer. They could not even do the one simple thing that he had asked them. And when you listen to what he said, you can feel the anguish in his words. Could you not watch with me one hour? Is that too much to ask of you just to stay awake and pray with me for this short period of time? I'm not asking you for a day. I'm not asking you for a week. I'm not asking for a month. I'm just asking for an hour that you would pray with me for that one hour. Oh my goodness, how the disloyalty of these men shocked him as he looked at them in their stupor and in their sleep and he had asked them to wait with him and to watch with him and now here they are, they can't even keep their eyes open. They can't even pay attention. You don't know how frustrating it is to try to preach sometimes when people aren't paying attention. Sometimes I want to just throw this microphone down and you start climbing pews and snatching cell phones or whatever else people are fidgeting with and get in their face and scream, Pay attention to me! I'm telling you something worth listening to. Now I know if I feel that way, certainly when Jesus came back from that prayer time and found these men sleeping Oh, there was something that came over him. Could you not watch with me one hour? Not one hour. He was pierced by their infidelity. Their unfaithfulness to him was shocking. When he needed them the most, they had let him down. They had failed him. They had betrayed him. And he goes away again and he prays. Three times he comes and finds the same situation. And in that, in that setting and in that garden, the Lord teaches one of the most powerful lessons about life. He teaches one of the most powerful principles about living. None of us are going to get through life without being betrayed. None of us are going to get through life without being hurt. None of us are going to get through life without being lied on and the most likely it's going to be the people that we trust the most that are going to do that to us. We're going to be wounded not by our enemies, but the psalmist said, I was wounded in the house of my friend. The people that I counted on, the people that I love, the people that I poured myself into, they are the one that have hurt me the most. And none of us are going to get through this life without feeling that piercing, cutting, burning disloyalty of humanity. All of us. Some of us are chafing under it right now. Some of us are wrestling with it. And the sad tragedy is some of us are blaming ourselves for somebody else's disloyalty. We're trying to figure out, what did I do wrong? How did I fail you? You notice that there is no indication that Jesus spent any time wondering what he had done to fail them. He knew he had not failed them. They may have failed him, but he had not failed them. And so he didn't spend any time wondering. But we in our humanity... We in our weaknesses, when we, when we are disappointed or when we are betrayed, one of the first things that happens is that we begin to look inwardly and we begin to wonder, what's wrong with me? What did I do to deserve this? Or I, I, I don't understand this. I, what could I have done to change this? What could I have done to have altered the outcome? And so the Lord teaches us one of the most valuable principles of life, of human relationships, of dealing with plans that are frustrated and purposes that are aggravated. He teaches us here in this garden how to deal with disloyalty. Amen. How to deal with disloyalty. And I want you to watch how he deals with their failures. I want you to note how he talks to them and how he reaches out to help them. And you see here in this garden the consummate handling of betrayal. Notice the first thing that he said when he came back the first time and he found them sleeping. He makes a statement that is not a justification of their failure but an explanation of their failure. And he said, The Spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. He made allowances for their humanity. He did not excuse their failure, but He understood their failure. And in essence, by saying that, He was in essence forgiving them for that shortcoming. He was forgiving them for their failure, and that is the first step that anybody who wants to overcome disloyalty has to learn the importance of, and that is the power of forgiveness. Listen to me. You, know, you, you don't want to hear me. I know that because we don't want to forgive anybody, but listen to me. What I'm talking about is not something to let somebody go, but to let you go. And when you forgive, it's not so much about what somebody else has done as it is about what you desire for your life and your future. And so when I forgive somebody, I don't let them go in essence and say, you're free, you you can hurt me all over again. Yes, you are letting them go, but the one that you are really letting go is yourself. Amen. Amen. And in essence, what he did here in this moment is forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. He let go and he moved on because the flesh is weak. Listen to me. You need to remember that if you don't remember anything else I tell you tonight. That you can never trust flesh. I trust people, but I don't trust flesh. (laughs) And I don't care who you are. The best among us has rotten flesh. But what, what we must remember is that forgiveness is a way of releasing from our life those things that are toxic. When we forgive, what we allow to leave us and what we let go of are the bitternesses that will poison our life. And what Jesus was essentially doing when he said that was letting go of any bitterness that would tie him to that night. The flesh, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. He Release that. If anybody could understand me tonight, the first step that anybody that wants to recover from being betrayed or being uh, let down or being cheated or lied on or being done wrong, the first step that all of us have to make is the hardest one, and that is to forgive. They are human And that's what we have to understand. They are not God-like yet. They are not God. They are just flesh. That's not something we want to talk about, but the truth is none of us are without our faults. And none of us have a right to really judge anybody over another. We're all weak. And given the situation, listen to me, if the shoe was on the other foot, how would the story play out? You know, sometimes we are so hard on people in what they do to us, but we are unwilling to realize that that reciprocates. And so when you put the shoe on the other foot and you put yourself in their place, could you say that you would have done differently? Flesh is weak, church. Don't ever rely on your flesh for anything. Amen. Don't ever rely on your flesh for anything. Your flesh will get you into trouble. Your flesh, your carnal nature, that carnal side of you will get you into trouble. If you don't believe that, you go back and read one of the most powerful stories in the entire Word of God. When when a father was getting ready to bless his son and a wife... And a son conspired to deceive the father. And Jacob comes in in Esau's place. And Isaac, who is blind and he cannot see, is trying to figure out who this is before me, makes the statement. He said, this is the voice of Jacob, but what I feel is Esau. And Instead of him relying on what he knew of that voice that you cannot deny, he trusted his feelings. He trusted that fleshly nature. And that got him and the rest of the world to this day. There's been trouble over that situation to this very day because a man trusted his flesh more than his spirit. So Jesus taught there in that garden, the way to deal with disloyalty is to understand that all flesh is weak and all flesh will fail. And The only way you can rid yourself of the bitterness that that will bring to your life is to learn how to forgive. Let it go. Not for them necessarily, but for you. Amen. Let it go. For you we he had to remember that it had been a long night for them as well as himself. That it was way past midnight. The strain of the day God remembered those things in this moment, and he forgave them. He forgave them. He let it go. The second thing that I noted about his interaction with these men in dealing with their disloyalty is that he did not listen to me this is the most important thing that I've come to tell you he did not let their disloyalty stop his purpose or his future he, he didn't throw up his hands in despair and just throw it all away and say you know what I don't want to do this anymore I'm tired of being the son of God. I don't want to be this one. I don't want to live. He didn't allow their disloyalty to stop his purpose and his future. If you listen to what he said in that moment, those monumental words, he came back the third time and he said, sleep on, disciples. Sleep on, past." I'm not gonna let your disloyal to me, your dis- disloyalty to, to, to me, I'm not gonna let it stop me from what God sent me to do. I'm not gonna let it keep me from becoming what God designed me to become. Do you know tonight that there are countless people that are hung up by somebody else's disloyalty, and they've let somebody else's disloyalty? so affect their life that it has hindered and limited their purpose and it has hindered and limited their potential in life. Listen to me tonight. The way to deal with disloyalty is to forgive, number one, and then realize that their disloyalty to you does not stop God's plan or God's purpose for your life. Amen. Amen. I don't care how hard it was and how difficult it is even now. Listen to me. Their failure does not limit your future. Are you hearing me tonight? Don't let somebody else's betrayal, don't let somebody else's disloyalty, don't let somebody else's fickleness don't let somebody else is wrong. Don't let somebody else is letting you down. Limit your future. There is a plan and a purpose that God has for your life. And if they are going to go with me, they can go with me. But if they don't go with me, I'm still going all the way. I have made up my mind. I'm not turning back. I'm not turning around. I'm not leaving. God put his hand on my life. And God has brought me to this point. I'm not going back now. I'm going all the way. Amen. I'm going to live through this. I'm going to get past it. I'm going to live to see a better day. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. My dad had a philosophy that used to just aggravate my mother to death. Because usually it affected our finances. My dad was a very generous man and he was a very forgiving person. He had to be. (laughs) Oh, he had to be. But my dad was the kind of man that if he did work for you and then you come up and told him that you couldn't pay him now but you would pay him later, he'd let you off the hook. And I've known men that would take advantage of him. They would come and bring their old beat-up vehicles and have my dad work on them knowing full well they weren't going to pay him. They weren't going to... Uh, they, they weren't going to keep their word. And and weeks would go by. I remember a few times as a young person saying, being there when those things happened and then weeks later saying, Dad, aren't you ever going to go collect? And my dad would look at me and he would say, Son, if they can live with it, I can live without it. My Lord, that used to just stick in my craw. My mother, it used to make her so mad. What do you mean, Egbert? That's that—that's food for our table. But you know what? We never went hungry. We—I I never remember having to go beg for bread. As a matter of fact, God blessed my father and his business and God kept his head. We weren't rich by any means but I don't ever remember lacking anything that we needed in life. But my dad had learned a long time ago as just a young man when his own family broke apart, his mother and his dad separated. He had to raise his own two younger sisters and his older brother left the family to get away from everybody. He learned that if you're not careful, you can get bitter in life. You can get mad at how life is working out. You can get angry at people and he said, you know what, there's got to be a better way of living than that. And you know what I want to do? I want to learn how to forgive and I want to learn how to understand that my future is not tied to your failure. Amen. My future is not tied to somebody else's failure. And those men failed him. They let him down. They disappointed him of all the people. I mean, he had healed their sick. He had raised their dead. He had opened their blind eyes. And he said, "You, this is what I get for all that I've done for you. But he let it go. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You just can't trust flesh. Amen. You can't trust flesh. And I'm not leaning on flesh. I have a higher authority that's working here in my life. I have a higher principle that I'm answering to. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go ahead and start it off right. I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to release that. I'm going to let it go so I can move on because there's something still to be done in my life and I'm not going to let bitterness tie me to this night. I wonder tonight. How many people in this world, bitterness has tied them to some night in their life, some point in time, some event that happened, some hurt that came, or some situation that went wrong and went bad. And and bitterness has tied them to that night, and they can't get away. I'm going to tell you how to deal with disloyalty. You need to learn how to forgive. Not for them, but for you, so you can move on. Because you cannot move on dragging all that stuff with you. And if you don't forgive, that's exactly what you do. You bring all of that stuff with you. What does the Bible say? Some men's sins go before them. And some men's sins follow after them. You know what? I've tried to understand that scripture. Maybe God just gave me a revelation about that. When you forgive, you send all that ahead and you let God take care of it when you don't forgive all that stuff is dragging behind you and wherever you go it's with you you lay down at night it lays down with you you get up in the morning it gets up with you you try to drink coffee it drinks coffee with you you go to McDonald's it goes to McDonald's with you you go to the grocery store and it's right there in the aisle beside you hey folks there's a better way to live than that why don't you just go ahead and get rid of it send it ahead let God take care of it and I promise you God will take care of that. What the irony of all this is that these men that failed him so greatly at this moment, there was a time that came when they did a great work for him. So you don't ever be surprised at what God can work out of failure. But you've got to understand that somebody else has failed. Don't let their disloyalty stop you from your purpose in life, what God has brought you here for. And God has you here for a purpose. The last thing, and I'm going to close. The last thing that I noted that he did in dealing with their disloyalty is he found a budding tomorrow in that dark midnight. He said, sleep on. And then the very next verse, he said, rise. Let us be going. Going where? Where? going to my destiny, going to my purpose. I've got somewhere I need to be I can't be hindered here I'm not going to get stuck in some Gethsemane wrestling with bitterness over men that let me down or men that failed me or men that cheated me or or men that were disloyal I'm not going to let my life be mired down here I've got somewhere I need to go I've got a tomorrow, I've got a future ahead of me, this is not the end of my life and God sent me to tell somebody here tonight that has been cheated and lied on and been disloyal to that this is not the end of your life. If you'll lift up your head and you'll look, there's a sun that's about to rise on the horizon and there's a new day that's about to dawn for your life. You need to get up. Come on somebody. You need to get up and let's get going. Get up and let's go on. Get up and go forward. Get up and reach out for what God still has ahead of your life. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Let's praise Him together right now, everybody. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. There's life beyond this midnight. There's life beyond this experience. There's life beyond this pain. There's life beyond this sorrow. There's life beyond this hurt. There's life beyond this problem. You need to start saying that. There's life. Amen. Come on, say it. There's life. There's life beyond. Amen. Rise. Let us be going. Rise. Let us be going. Rise. Let us be going. Ah, There's life beyond all of this. Weeping may endure for a night. But what's going to happen? What? Come on, what? Joy. Joy. When is it? In the morning. Amen. So you know what that tells me? There is going to be a morning. This is not the end. Amen. Somebody say, this is not the end. Amen. I'm not going to get stuck in some phase of my life. It's not easy and I'm not here to make fun of by any means. My... My heart has been broken in a thousand pieces just like yours. It's not easy. I think perhaps the hardest thing to do is the first thing, and that's forgive. And if you want to get past it, you want to get beyond it, you want to get released from it, forgive. Just forgive. Say, God, I'm not going to hold it to their account. I want you to release them. Because I want to be released. And to whom much is given, much shall be required. But He also said, if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven. So if you won't release, release them. Amen. What makes that so hard is that in our human mind, we feel like that if we release them, they got by with it. Listen to me. Nobody gets by with anything. Nobody, nobody. There are people that are living in this world right now that have done things that they've never made right. You know what? There's some people that want people to get over stuff that they need to just go make right. But somewhere you're going to pay. Somewhere you're going to have to come to a judgment bar. And the Bible said you're going to give an account. You're going to have to explain What? Every deed. Every word. So nobody gets by with anything. So quit getting hung up in this, well, if I forgive them, it's just like they didn't do it. Well, for you, that's the way you need to look at it. Because if you don't, you're going to get stuck there in that part of your life and you're never going to be free from it. Just forgive it. Let it go. And you may have to do that every day. That's why when... Peter was talking to the Lord about forgiveness and how many times do you forgive? The Lord said 70 times 7. Now he wasn't talking about just some arbitrary number. He was talking about a way of life. You know what I've had to tell people? You can forgive them tonight, but when you get up in the morning, you may have to do it all over again. But you just keep forgiving until it is so completely released from your life that you don't ever have to worry about it again. Just keep on. Live a life of forgiveness. If they can live with it, I can live without. I'm not going to limit my life to some lemon. (laughs) Oh, I'm not going to limit my life to some bitter experience. And We've all had them, and we're going to have them. There will be more to come. But I'm not going to let what goes wrong turn me wrong. Amen. I decided a long time ago. I want to go all the way. And if you go with me, that's good. If you don't, I'm still going. If you go with me, that's great. But if you don't, I'm going anyway. Rise, church, rise. Somebody needs to get up tonight and say, you know what? I need to move on. I, I need to move on. I, I need to get on with life because God still has something for me close your eyes and let's talk to the lord right now god you know every one of us you know our situations you know our downsetting and our uprising you know our thoughts afar off god you know our weaknesses you know our failures you know our disappointments you know our hurts you know our pains you know our sufferings god you you know them because you experience them you know what it is for somebody to walk away from you You know what it is for somebody to let you down. You know what it is for somebody to not keep their word. You know what it is to invest in people and give to people and pour yourself into people and then to not get anything, so to speak, in return. God, that never limited you from continuing to invest. And you taught us, Lord, in Gethsemane, one of the most powerful principles of life, how to deal with disloyalty, how to deal with life when it lets you down. Hallelujah. I'm going all the way. I'm going all the way. Hallelujah. God, you've got a a future. You've got a plan. You've got a purpose for my life. I want to find that again, Lord. I want my eyes to be cleared of the fog and all of the distortions that life has brought to me. I want a clear vision tonight, God, of where it is that you're wanting to take me. I, I want a clear vision tonight, God, of what it is that you have before me because I want to reach my potential. I want to reach the purpose that you have designed for my life. I want to do all that you have called me to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah.